Mad Unreal. Uh, this is Arthur. That is Isaac. A couple of quick program notes before we get started, because we do want to uh, dive right in. It's, it's uh, somewhat of a uh, somber, reflective show. Um, our series, our James Bond series, 007 and Counting, is going to return September 11 as we uh, kind of have our own uh, side bet on if Bond <laughs> is going to stay in November of 2020 or if, as Isaac predicts, it's going to be put on ice uh, until further notice. So 007 and Counting, uh, our Daniel Craig yeah, basically, uh, farewell. Yeah, yeah, because basically, I mean, I think that, like, for me and a lot of the people, we are um, somewhat fiending for Bond material. Um, this movie has been, I mean, God, man, we talked about it before on another show. This movie has been delayed so much that, uh, you know, obviously this this year's delays are expected. But, you know, this movie, right. I think, was supposed to be out originally over a year ago. So, and it's been five, six years since, um, you know, going on six years since uh, Spectre. So we, we're fiending for, you know, bond material. So I think that what we want to do is even though, you know, there's a good chance that No Time to Die is not going to drop in uh, November as it's scheduled to at the moment. We feel that even though that there is a good chance that happening, it is scheduled to come out in November. Uh, we started mm-hmm. 007 and counting back in what was that? March, I think. March, got, I wait, think, maybe. yeah. Yeah, we got like two episodes in. It's a special series and we were doing a countdown heading into No Time to Die when it had its April release. We did maybe two shows of this special series and then the news came that, you know, um, the, the, the movie was being pushed to November, which at the time, if you go back and listen, probably if you listen to the show we did right after that announcement, we were probably kind of in shock and like, wow, that kind of mm-hmm. feels a little premature, you know. Then like right. two weeks after that, it was like, oh, no, they were very smart, you know, and it's like everybody was like they were the first ones to do it. But, at, you know, it, it, at, the, at that point, it felt kind of premature. But in retrospect, obviously, definitely was not premature and definitely was the right move. So we got about two episodes into 007 and counting our special series, which was a countdown to No Time to Die. And it got put on pause. So we're bringing it back. We're bringing it back because, you, you know, I think a lot of you guys just like us. Um, are looking forward to No Time to Die. And even though there's some doubt as to when we're going to get the movie, we wanted to at least kind of help fill that Bond space, you know, that that space is looking forward to that, that movie and just wants to talk Bond. Um, mm-hmm. So we're mm-hmm. going to resume the, the series and see how it goes. And then, you know, if we need to maybe hold that last, you know, series finale, you know, maybe we'll hold that until the movie is actually ready to come out. Um, but over the next couple of months, starting September 11th, you guys will get some special episodes focused um, completely on 007. And what's I think can we do we want to tell them what the first the one dropping on September 11th is what? Um, I don't know. I you don't even know. You recorded it so long ago. You don't even know. <laughs> 007 and Wonder. I think Isaac. we did record it, didn't we? We did record it. I think oh, it was we recorded it. On Okay, so it was a review on um, the first Daniel Craig film, Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Um, Casino Royale, which is which is a you know not just any old Bond film. This is pretty much a one of those hallmark in uh, the Bond series. It's one of the hallmark moments in the entire mm-hmm. series. So we did our own unique kind of deep dive on Casino Royale. Um, so between now and September 11th, um, if you have not seen Casino Royale in a while, you may want to watch it. 
um, and just get prepped for uh, for that episode. And then you can kind of like join in with us as we as we go completely mad unreal on that movie. So I'm looking forward to it. I am too. And um, the other program note is our fourth and final installment of What If the Batman Was a Black Man series uh, will release uh, the week after 007 and Counting. I think it's dropping. I think it's dropping the same day. And it, I think I think that first September 11th is going to be like a like a bonus day or something. Right. Because I think. Oh, yeah. We are going to do a double two, issue, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Double issue. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So it's like those first that September 11th, you're going to get. Batman, um, what if Batman was a black man series finale? Um, and then you get also double and 007 and counting episode three on the same day. So it's like Christmas in September, which is always good. Yeah. And, and yeah, this, yeah, this recent news has got me a little thrown. So, um, let's just get to it. This is Mad Unreal episode 24. say this is a reflective and um, a bit sad of a, of a way to begin a show but uh, we did lose Chadwick Boseman uh, his death was announced uh, this past Friday as, as of this recording August the 28th after um, his years-long battle with uh, colon cancer uh, he was 43 years old and um, um, I guess as a as a silver lining I don't even like that term, but it's just nice that he was at home with his family. Mm -hmm. Um, What I did notice, uh, which was actually, you know, obvious, is that he had almost kind of cornered the market on black biopics. Mm -hmm. Um with his portrayal as Jackie Robinson in the film 42, which is what launched him into uh, uh, public popular conscious. Mm-hmm. He also played Thurgood Marshall uh, in that biopic. Um, and he also played James Brown in the bio- biopic Get On Up. And um, I saw an article in the New York Times. I, I, I want to say it was yesterday. I guess it would have been yesterday, but um, where it talked about his ability to portray dignity on screen and how that's a difficult thing to do because dignity is not a plot point, you know, it's not a it's not a protagonist. It's not an antagonist element. It's not an element of conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's a study in character and Mm -hmm. it's a way to be able to portray that character on screen and I, I think it was because I, I think it was Wesley Morris who wrote that article and it was it, it, dignity he, I mean he didn't say it like this but dignity also can be quite boring you know it's kind of mm, it can mm-hmm, be kind of mm-hmm, one dimensional mm-hmm, yeah so mm-hmm. yeah I get your point yeah but uh, we all know him as uh, King T'Challa of the King of Wakanda um, and he appeared in one two three he appeared in four MCU films debuting as Prince T'Challa and Captain America Winter Soldier Civil War um, I thought that was Winter Soldier no nah, it was the third because I think even Wesley Morris in that New York Times article you mentioned I think he made the same mistake it was Winter Soldier was the second was the first sequel Captain America sequel yeah. Winter Soldier Soldier oh, Civil War was because the third movie and that's where uh, T'Challa first appeared yeah right at mm-hmm. the okay I remember now 
Yeah. Yep. Um, tell you, man, it's got me thrown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, you said so. It was four. Okay, so Civil War, um, Infinity Black Panther, War. Infinity mm-hmm. War, and Endgame. Okay, right, okay. right, right. Not enough. And no, no, yeah. not enough. Not enough. And Black Panther, um, you know, a, 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 both a phenomenal film and also a phenomenon, mm-hmm. where a seemingly uh, obscure. Uh, obscure at worst, uh, secondary at best, you know, minor MCU character uh, is immediately elevated in those in, in, in the MCU uh, phase three. You know, this I think this loss is really, really hard. Um, and, I, and, and this kind of goes to the dignity angle of the uh, of the Times article. Um, where knowing, having the information be revealed that as he was making these films, um, particularly the the blockbuster, very action-oriented MCU films, you know, he was battling this disease mm-hmm. and had gone through a series of chemotherapy rounds um, and surgeries. Um, but also that the impact of Black Panther as you know, the film and the story within that film and also his portrayal as T'Challa mm-hmm. uh, and his relationship with his father uh, really held uh, such an impact on us as as black people and the larger community uh, of, of people of color um, and also um, the national consciousness. Mm-hmm. So... You know, do you think, and I'm jumping a little bit here, but but our sister show, Snobs on Film, we had an episode with Omar Dorsey, um, another actor who... Um, who knew Chadwick, yeah, they were friends. Yeah, who knew Chadwick, yeah. who knew Chadwick. Um, talked about there can only be one, where mm. there can only be one black superstar at a time, uh, particularly in film. And I know that our, our our episode had centered around Michael B. Jordan as, you know, that one. But Chadwick Boseman was also uh, 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 part of that conversation. Do right. you think that this there can only be one is maybe occupied by there can only be two? Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, this because when I heard about it, it was that feeling on Friday night of... Um, you know, of course, surprise, you know, surprise because it, it felt like it came out of nowhere. I, you know, I'd, I'd heard, I think I heard some rumors at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, the feeling I got from some rumors that he may have been in, in poor health, but the feeling, or the, the feeling that I got from the response from celebrities on Twitter that obviously, you know, either knew him very well or at least were in that circle um, mm-hmm. was the feeling that people knew he was, he was very ill and he was fighting this battle, you know, since for the last four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but the feeling I got other than surprise was a sense of a really sense of, of loss in the sense of, um, now, you know, not just that we've lost an actor, but like, we've just, we've lost this big opportunity, you know, as, mm-hmm. um, as not just as, as, as black people, but as black, you know, film goers, people who are invested in these type of movies, so on and mm-hmm. so forth. And I think that. I kind of interrogated myself a little bit to figure out, okay, why are you feeling that, that big of a loss? Um, 
with an actor who, you know, to be blunt about it, he his career was he was he was 43. He really got famous in his 30s. Right. Um, so in a sense, his career was kind of just starting, you know, not just starting. But, you know, what I'm saying it was it was on the ascent. It wasn't like he was Denzel and had been around for, you know, um, and see how I just brought up Denzel. It's funny because the, yeah. the episode about of SOF you just referenced, we called it the Denzel effect. Yeah. There can only be one. <laughs> Uh-huh. And even in my mind, as I'm speaking, who do I go to first? Oh, it's not like he's Denzel. So that shows you how the programming works. But anyway, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Chadwick was not at that point where it was like, okay, he has this storied career. Um, this He wasn't legendary. You know what I'm saying? He right. wasn't legendary yet. He was just ascending. So I, you know, I asked myself, why am I feeling that way? And I think for me, I got to a point where it was like, okay, there is still this there's still this paucity of black actors, black action heroes. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about mm-hmm. it on SOF. We've talked about it on mad unreal. There is this, um, lack of black action heroes, um, in lead roles, even now in 2020. Um, even though there's more than there was say 10 years ago or 20 years ago, there's still this paucity of actors who are black actors who are cast, um, in the same roles that say a Chris Hemsworth, or Robert Downey Jr. or whoever, you know, name your mm-hmm. name your white male actor. Um, we don't have that. And so Chadwick was that actor who you saw and you could see, especially in Black Panther, you saw the multi-dimensionalism of a, of this this actor. You know, you saw the fact that this dude can bring all kinds of things to the screen to a role. And it's not a lot of actors who can do drama and action. You know, it's like that's that's a rare thing, you know, for actors to be able to bring dramatic uh, skills in the same way that they can bring action skills. Um, and Chadwick was one of those actors. So it was very it was it was a sense of loss. Like, man, we 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 just got it's almost like we just took a huge step back, you know, as, mm-hmm. as film black film goers and people who are, again, are invested in these films. So those are the two things I felt was, you know, the surprise that as a, as a human being, the surprise at his his sudden his not I can't even say sudden death but his death and thinking about what that means to you know his family and just you know how young he was um and to be honest man you know when any something like this happens at a young age involving cancer you know my thoughts immediately go to you you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying you were the first person I thought of um because if any of our listeners have not listened to uh the show Arthur and I did for uh who was that again you always have to tell me because I always forget what was that? That was a. Uh, it, it was a uh, uh, StoryCorps, NPR StoryCorps. That was a one-on-one conversation between me and Arthur. That actually ended up being the impetus for Mad Unreal, um, one-on-one conversation between me and Arthur. But that that episode of StoryCorps really, you know, Arthur, you know, you laid out your battle with cancer. You know, when you were in your twenties, and so whenever I think about something like this happens, of course, my first thought is you, and I think about you know someone dying so young you know mm-hmm. you know 43 he's he's younger than i am um so yeah that's that was you know that was the first kind of you know human feeling and then outside of that it was the feeling of man we've really lost you know from a from a film going standpoint from an unreal standpoint you know we've lost um that black action star that along with michael b jordan um and you know some i could i could, I could name a few more um, who kind of were about to ascend to a place where they may have been able to kick the doors open, you know, mm-hmm. and then it's like no more Denzel effect. You know, we got a lot of them coming in, 
black men, black women, you know, BIPOC men, BIPOC women, right. you know, we just, that was kind of the feeling that, man, maybe that can happen. Um, so now it, it is a, it is a big feeling, you know, a sense of loss. Um, yeah, that's the best way I can put it. One confession I have though, that, and, and this is something I want to ask you, cause I think this is interesting. Yeah. You mentioned the bi the the biographical films that he did, yep. and the ones yep. that were mentioned in the the article, the Wesley Morris article in New York Times. Um, I didn't watch those. There was forty two. There was the Thurgood Marshall story. I forgot the name of that. It might have been called just Marshall. I can't remember. Um, and then yeah, get Marshall. on up. The, mm-hmm. Okay, and then get on up the the James Brown piece. So mm-hmm. I didn't watch these films, and. Again, I interrogated myself. Said, "Well, why didn't you watch these movies? You know, you like this brother. You know, you like this actor. Why didn't you watch these films?" And the real—this is a whole another episode, probably of Mad Unreal or SOF or whatever. But the real reason is that because I felt, oh, here's Hollywood. You know, basically parading out the you know the, the black icons that they approve of. You know, the ones right. that they approve of us talking about, as opposed to giving us films, more films on Malcolm or more, a film right. on Huey or a film on Fred Hampton or a film on Asada Shakur, you know, um, mm-hmm. Angela Dave, you know, they don't, we don't get those films, you know, but we keep getting these films, um, centered around the, the entertainers or the, um, the icons that they feel that they approve of, um, mm-hmm. that they're okay with us looking up to. So that was my, and that's, that's, I stand by that. I don't have any problem with, you know, I'm not re, uh, rescinding from that, that thought, mm-hmm. But I do feel that, you know, liking Chadwick Boseman as I do as an actor, um, I feel like I missed out. I should have watched those films and I am going to watch those films. But let me ask you, did you watch any of those movies? Nope. Not a one. <laughs> Not, <laughs> Not a, a one. one. Not a one. Was it and for I, the same I, reason I didn't watch or what? Um, actually, no. Actually, okay. no. Um, Not that I disagree with that reason at all. I generally don't like biopics. I don't really mm. like film biographies, uh, with the notable exception of Ray, Jamie Foxx's portrayal as Ray Charles. Right. Um, I think that it's difficult to, I think it's difficult to dramatize a person's life um, without... And you compress it. Yeah, and right. you, have to, you have to compress it. I mean, certainly for the running time, you know, mm-hmm. but also for the entertainment value. And and so I generally find myself, depending on how familiar I am with the subject, being, you know, disappointed, sometimes mad, like, you know, because it didn't happen that way. And, you know, it turns into a mischaracterization. <laughs> oh, you one of them. And, yeah, I am. You and the popular focus the hinges like, nah, on I read this the inaccuracy. <laughs> right. Right, 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 right. You know, mm-hmm. and that's that's why. And that just gets amplified when uh they're about historically important black figures mm. mm-hmm. because i just tie myself into the to the subject and you know i just it's it's it's, it's, it's hard for me to separate this is mm. hard for me to separate so I, i'm glad you i'm glad you said that though because for me now i mean i feel like that's kind of my reason as well because i like when i saw chadwick playing especially Thurgood Marshall it's like he don't even look like Thurgood Marshall it's like how's he playing Thurgood Marshall but yeah after reading that article in the in the times I feel that you know what I'm gonna go back and watch those movies not for his portrayal of those characters but for his his ability his acting ability you know just because Mm -hmm. like you know 
the way that uh, Wesley Morris was talking about um, Chadwick, what Chadwick brought to those roles and how he basically wasn't trying to because like what, what Jamie Foxx did with with uh, uh, with Ray was brilliant, you know, because he basically mm-hmm. became him, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in a way that in a way that just offers some uh, just not to critique, but just to offer kind of a, a counter in a way that Will Smith didn't do with Ali. Like Will Smith, mm-hmm. tr- be, you know, attempted to become Ali, but it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with what I'm gathering from these from these Chadwick Boseman films, these bi- bi- biopics, he didn't try to become these people. He basically brought something else to the role that convinced you of the story that was being told. And that's that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm interested in seeing. So I'm going to check mm-hmm. them out. I'm going to check them out. But, you know, what? back back to your this is mad and real. So back to your Black Panther, um, your earlier point. Um, less, I mean, I think we do need to address because, you know, obviously when we heard about the loss on Friday, again, the first feeling was the human feeling, you know, and the loss and the right. the, the suddenness, right. you know, of it and the, 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 the tragedy of someone dying so young. Um, and then I think secondary to that was the loss of, you know, again, selfishly, the loss of a, of that we feel for losing a great, um, a modern, you know, great black actor. Um, and how, you know, the fact that we have so few of those that get the chances that they should get, how that feels. But then, of course, I think tertiary to that is the feeling of Black Panther specifically, you know. Right. This movie was in 2018, to your point that you made earlier. This movie was not just a film. It, it was like a movement in the theater for like six months. It was just became mm-hmm. this movement, this thing mm-hmm. that, you know church groups were renting out the theaters and, you know, people right. were going to see it multiple times. People who had never even, you know, had no interest not only in the MCU, but had no interest in Unreal slash superhero films at all, you know, period. Yep. They weren't going to see none of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the film made over, I think, over a billion dollars and, you know, became this juggernaut. So the elephant in the room, obviously, is that, you know, hey, we know that Ryan Coogler um, was has you know wrote written the second film is positioned to start filming I think next year I think it was he started mm-hmm. he was going to mm-hmm. start filming um, and I think the film was the Black Panther two was scheduled to come out in twenty twenty two so the question that I have for you and then I think we should discuss is yo is this is this movie going to happen you know are they going to is the MCU because they've mm-hmm. known you know they obviously have known that that Chadwick was ill. Um, and they were pressing on. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining in hopes that he would recover. He would be able to beat this thing. Um, but now that the absolute worst has happened, do you anticipate them moving ahead with this? You know, with this film and recasting. Um, or even if you I, don't want to guess at what they may do, what would you, what would you like for them to do? You know, what would yeah, you like? For yeah, them, yeah, for, yeah. For, what would you like to see happen? Yeah. Well, I think that. I mean, I want to say that I think you have to continue the franchise um, because by by not having a Black Panther 2, I think a recent episode that we discussed, you know, we talked about um, how the way the MCU is structured, you know, sometimes one story depends on a previous story. And I wonder if the way that Black Panther 2, the story itself, 
where that fits in MCU's phase four, if that Mm -hmm. is a connector to other storylines. Whereby if you don't have a Black Panther two, that it disrupts that storyline. So you have to rethink, you know, two or three different. Yeah. You just have to, you have to rethink the whole structure of what your phase four is. Um, Mm -hmm. And that may be something that, that Marvel studios decides to do. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it would be very difficult to put someone else. It's like this, either, either, either King T'Challa has also passed Mm -hmm. or another actor is brought in to replace Chadwick Boseman. Right. Um, And and I think it's too, I, I think it's too soon to determine either one of those scenarios. In terms Which of what would you, I would prefer to see, yeah, yeah, um, I would, I would prefer to see another actor brought in as T'Challa to continue on with the franchise. I think that's the better honor of Chadwick's memory and legacy than it would mm-hmm. be to halt that because of what Chadwick's performance as T'Challa brought to the screen and by extension us mm-hmm. yeah i feel like that I, you know I, I i'm with you but i feel like i'm a little torn because i want to see to, to your last point i want to see what he started you know continue um but i'm torn because i don't know you know chadwick was not Chadwick was not at that at this point. Chadwick was not, you know, like I said, he was he was on the ascent. So it wasn't like I would say, oh, this was the greatest actor of his generation or anything. I think he was on the ascent, right. but I right. think he was a very unique actor, you mm-hmm. know. And when you go back and look at Civil War and Black Panther and Infinity War, especially not so much Endgame because it was just he was just pretty much in the battle in Endgame, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. especially Infinity War. The way you know the way he carries himself, his his um his, his movements, his not just the way he says things, but just his mannerisms. He he was he was a very unique actor, and I'm I'm mm-hmm. worried that if they don't cast, if they were to recast and they put somebody in that role who couldn't do the things he did, um, it could go bad. You know, it could it could really backfire. It may may end up feeling like you know what we should have allowed. Um, King T'Challa, like you said, to pass, um, and then you know someone else ascends to the throne. Maybe, maybe Shuri, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mm-hmm. So I'm torn. Mm-hmm. I'm torn right now, and it's it's again, you know, it's something I'm sure the MCU has already been thinking about, um, preparing yeah. for you know the the preparing for a tragedy were to happen as it has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I'm sure they've had conversations about. Um, Chadwick may have even had his input. You know, who knows. You know, he may even said this is what I would prefer to happen um, if that were to come to pass. So, you know, who knows, man? But I do think that it is we're not just talking about I think the point we're trying to make is that we're not just talking about replacing an actor in a role, which has happened, you know, happens all the time in Hollywood. You're talking about something that happened two years ago that was more than just a film. It became a movement. You know, to me, listen, being honest, Black Panther to me is not the greatest Marvel film. You know, it's not the greatest of those 20 something whatever films. Mm-hmm. And my favorite portrayal of um, 
Black Panther isn't even in Black Panther. My fa- I'll tell you in a minute when we talk about our favorite Bozeman uh, scenes and moments, I'll tell you in a minute um, mm-hmm. what that is. But my favorite portrayal of Black Panther is not in the actual Black Panther film. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it's, it's inarguable that that film definitely became more than just a movie. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so mm-hmm. to replace the lead, to, to replace the lead face of that film with another actor, like I said, I'm, I'm just I'm torn on it right now. And it's again, it's only been a few days, so it's obviously the other issues that we talked about are at the forefront of our minds. Um, but you know, months from now, a year from now, this is something we're going to be thinking about. Okay, what would we what would we like to see happen? Um, you know, Disney. You know, when they when when Lucasfilm, uh, when Carrie Fisher died unexpectedly. And, you know, the immediate thoughts, you know, after that, from a film standpoint was, okay, are they going to recast, you know, Princess Leia, who mm-hmm, over the course right. of what, 40 years had become, you know, um, iconic, you know, and had become mm-hmm. an, an indelible part of Star Wars. Um, and they chose not to. They chose to, they, they had footage and they chose to use some of that footage in the, the final film of that trilogy and mm-hmm. allow her to pass within that movie. Um, but it was a different situation. You know, she was not the lead character of that film. She was not um, the focal point of that film. Um, and she was in her character. It made sense for her to, um, you know, she was up an age in that film where uh, her her death didn't seem like it came out of nowhere, you know. Uh-huh. So it was a different feeling. But I, so, yeah, to this, I don't know, you know, who knows what they're going to do. Obviously, it's not the mm-hmm. most important thing. It's far from the most important mm-hmm. thing to be thinking about Correct. right now. Right. Right. Um, but just from a from a film going standpoint and how much this film, how much Black Panther meant to a lot of people, especially little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is something that they're going to have to handle very de- delicately and they are going to have to make a decision one way or the other. So, I mean, I'm curious, what is your what is your favorite? Not necessarily Black Panther, but what is your favorite Chadwick Boseman? Right. Although it's going to happen because we haven't. <laughs> we right, neither one has seen the, the other movies. <laughs> also, we should also add 21, uh, 21 Bridges is on, on my uh, watch list. That's the film that came out, I believe, last, was it earlier this year or last, late last year, I think. It was late, I thought it was produced. late last year. Okay, yeah, produced by the Russo brothers. So that's also on yeah. my watch list. And again, that was a film, you know, positioning him as, a, as an action star, um, right. which I heard, you know, mixed reviews but i've heard some positive things about it so that's some something i'm definitely going to watch asap um, but to, i'm sorry but, but yeah, to make it know, complete we, he he was also in the five bloods uh spike lee's the five uh, bloods right and i yeah next and week, i think he netflix just release. yeah that's on netflix right right i'm sorry yeah the five bloods on netflix and i think he just um he completed filming for uh, my rainy um for uh for uh august wilson play um uh, that they turned into a, a film. black bottom Right, I believe he finished filming staff. That may that may be his final film um, that gets released. So yeah, we we you know again just to end. We always try to end on a high note, even when it comes to tragedy. So to celebrate this brother, um, we want to talk about what's our favorite Bozeman scene moment. So do you want me to go first? Yeah, please. Okay, so as I alluded to a minute ago, it's not in Black Panther. My favorite scene slash moment with Chadwick Bozeman um, is as King T'Challa. And or Prince T'Challa at this point. No, no, no. Mm. King T'Challa, really, because his, his father just died like minutes, you know, like an hour before the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in Captain America's Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the moment he's sitting on the bench outside of the, the, the um, you know, there's chaos all around him because the building that they were having this, um, they were signing those those accords in to basically to rein in the superheroes. 
um, terrain in the Avengers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was, I think it was in, I forgot what country, so what, which a European country, it may have been in Germany, but, um, or Prague, I can't remember, but they were having this, these accords and, you know, all these people from all these different countries around. And that's when um, his father was killed in that explosion. Yeah. So T'Challa is sitting out on the bench, kind of like collecting himself after this, this tragedy had just ensued and um, black, uh, black widow, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Natasha Romanoff comes and talks to him and she's expressing her, you know, you know, condolences and everything. And she says to him, you know, basically the authorities, you know, will bring these, you know, bring this person in, you know, bring the, cause they, they suspect it's the winter soldier. So they're like, yeah, the authorities will bring them in. Don't you worry about it. And mm-hmm. T'Challa, and keep in mind, we had just been introduced to him, you know, yeah. just maybe minutes before was our first glimpse of him on screen. And so he just kind of looks at her and he puts his father's ring on and he tells her this, this story, this proverb, this Wakandan mm-hmm. proverb about, you know, how um, Wakandans view death. And, you know, they don't view it as a as an end. They view it as a beginning. It's a very kind of um, positive, uplifting, you know, view on death. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, my father believed in that. And he tells her, you know, I'm not my father. And he stands up and, bro, he says, I'm paraphrasing, but he says something along the lines of, you know, don't worry about it. You know, don't worry about bringing Winter Soldier in. I'll kill mm-hmm. him myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at that moment, Arthur, I, you know, listen, I read some Black Panther comics. I, I didn't collect them when I was a kid, but I read some Black Panther comics. I knew of the Black Panther, so on and so on, so on yeah. and so forth. But at that moment, I became a Black Panther fan. And the reason was... I hate to go back to the, what we talked about earlier, the the whole dignity thing, but the dignity and the soulfulness and the emotion in which he said mm-hmm. that line, you mm-hmm. got the pain that he was going through um, after just watching his father die. You got the, um, the anger that he was feeling. And most of mm-hmm. all, you got the resolve, you got the determination, mm-hmm. you know, you, for that moment, you felt sorry for the winter soldier because you knew this cat was coming after him. No, no uh, pun intended on Cap, but you know what I'm saying? You mm. knew he was coming after the Winter Soldier. And all of that happened within just a few seconds of him uttering that line. And it, it was it was a great acting moment. You know, it was a great moment of um, of him relaying all those emotions through those words. And the music probably I imagine the music swelled or something and probably helped out the scene. Maybe it did. And I can't remember. But it just it was a climactic moment in that film. And as I'm sitting there watching it in a the theater, I became a fan of that dude, you know, at that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. That was my guy. I was rolling with him. And it played out through the rest of the movie. Um, There's other points where I was like, yeah, he, he, it backed up, you know, his, all those things I just mentioned, but just the way he said that line, that was my favorite, um, not only Black Panther moment, but that was my favorite Chadwick Boseman scene moment to date. What about you? Okay. Um, mine is a little less, it requires less setup. Mm. Um, and it's 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 not so much dialogue because there's very very little of it out of uh chadwick's mouth but my favorite scene it is from it is from black panther the film black panther Mm -hmm. and um it's at the beginning of the film toward the beginning of the film when um he and okoye are going to extract nakia from her war dog, from her uh, war dog assignment, and mm-hmm. 
Okoye tells him to, you know, don't freeze when you see her, right? Um, <laughs> right. So uh, T'Challa, you know, he drops from uh, the ship and um, he reveals himself. He, he, you know, he takes out basically the, you know, the squad that has kidnapped, you know, uh, Nakia and the other women uh, and children from a particular village. But it's the first time that he actually sees Nakia and Nakia is hot, right? She's mad, (laughs) you know what I mean? He's wrecked her assignment. He's just, you know, destabilized his whole thing, put all these people's lives at risk, you know, and... Uh, to Charlie, you know, he 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 retracts the the panther helmet. He just looks at it and he just says, "Nakia." <laughs> he's just like he basically just cuts. It's like it's like that moment. He's cut. He's not even listening to anything he, that she says. He cuts through all of that, you know. And it's and it's uh-huh. and, you know and it's it's T'Challa, the person, not the king, mm-hmm. not the Black Panther, not the protector, not the prince, you know. Mm-hmm. But he goes all the way back to the moment that he first fell in love with her mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. that's that's such a singular space in that in that film mm-hmm. and the way that he delivers that line the way that he looks at her you know it just ties that romance into mm-hmm. it that really mm-hmm. is played out existentially throughout the film between Chala and and Nakia you know mm-hmm but it's just that one moment where none of this, none of this matters. He's, he's, yeah, he's, nothing, he's, nothing, he's nothing matters. There's, there's nothing around him. It's just him and her alone in the world, basically. Yep. Yep. And I just thought that yeah. was, I just thought that was beautifully delivered. That's beautifully. Mm-hmm. Delivered. I mean, you know, Tony Stark wouldn't be able to do that with Pepper, for example. <laughs> no, nah. yeah, I mean, he had that, I mean, Chadwick had that, you know, again, he had that, that ability to convey, you know, I keep coming back to soulfulness, but, um, mm-hmm. and dignity, like we talked about earlier, but also, um, the sensitivity, you know, and the vulnerability, you know, that great actors are able to, to convey. Um, yeah. and it happens sometimes in a very split second. Like you said, it's just a moment and an expression or a look that comes on their face. And if there's, if the director and the cinematographer are good enough, they, they've captured it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and the editing is good enough. They've captured it. So that's beautiful. Listen, side note, quick story. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking, I was zooming, you know, with, with your wife one day, because for those who don't know, I've talked about it before. Uh, Arthur's wife is my business partner. We're starting dark light studios coming out next month. Um, launching next month, big project, go to dark light story on Twitter and you'll see all about it. Anyway. Um, I said, I quote you a lot to everybody, you know, I'll say, you know, I, I use one of my Arthurisms and I'll be like, yeah, as Arthur would say, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And so I said one of them to her, I think it was, you know, I had a come to Jesus moment or, you know, water seeking its own level, whatever. And I was like, yeah, that's mm-hmm, Arthurism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For a split second, just like you were just talking about, child, this look came over her face and she uh-huh. just started smiling goofily. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I was like, all right, calm down. You know, I just brought up your husband. <laughs> and, and she was like, she said something like, yeah, it's just so sweet that after, you know, 16 years or whatever, it can still happen. You know, I think about what, whatever, whatever. But it was it was I bring it up because not just to, you know, give you kudos for, you know, keeping your wife so so much in love with your ass over uh, 16 years. But it was that it was that same thing. You know, it was like just, yeah. you know, everything dropped away and all she I'm talking to her and I, I brought up, you know, one of your Arthurisms and boom, she snapped back and, you know, 
was thinking about you and had that goofy look on her face. <laughs> and that's, those, are, those are beautiful moments. So to see that in a film, um, just to back up your point, I, I get it. You know, to see that in a, in a movie, you know, for him to be able to convey that, um, that's dope. That's dope. So I, I like your moment. I like your moment. I still like mine better, but I like your moment. Nothing wrong with yours because, you know, my second is um, at the end of uh, Civil War when T'Challa uh, confronts Zero. Nero. Oh, Wait, what's yeah. My man's oh, name? yeah. No, you're talking about, you're talking about uh, Zemo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zemo, yeah, yeah. Zemo, 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 um, Zemo. Baron right. Zemo. Yeah, when he says to him, you know, you know, the living are not done with you yet. You know, I mean, yeah. that was that whole scene yeah. was brilliant, man. That whole scene was brilliant because you are thinking that, yeah, yeah it, it's like he's probably going to kill this dude or whatever. Right, um, right. But it's like for that brief moment, they connected Zemo, the loss of his family at the, you know, at the, at the, mm-hmm. at the result of what the Avengers did. Um, right. Um, and and T'Challa, you know, connecting with memories of his father. And what Zemo was responsible for. It's like they connected on that loss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that was, um, I mean, and th- that was, you know, to me, again, I, you know, no no disrespect at all to Black Panther because I think it was, a, it was a really, really, really good movie. And I feel that mm-hmm. um, his portrayal in, in Infinity War was good. But something about him in, in Civil War, I guess maybe it was just the unexpected nature of that that role because he really you know he was a secondary character in that film but not in the sense that we're used to seeing black characters be sidelined you know Mm -hmm. we're used to seeing them as secondary characters who really only care about helping the primary white character accomplish their goal right whereas in civil war t'challa was about what he wanted from beginning to end okay this cat killed my father i'm going after him i don't care about what y'all are doing Mm-hmm. Like, right, right, right. I'm living outside mission. of this. Like, yeah. Right. And to the point where he let the Avengers, you know, beat the hell out of each other. He didn't care. He was going mm-hmm. after. He, and I, I love that about that movie, that he was not put in that role that so many black characters are put in where their entire, you know, um, purpose is to serve the the needs or the wants of the um, the white character, the white primary mm-hmm. character. So mm-hmm. love that. Love it. Um so, yeah okay so i mean i think in closing for this you know for our our our, our kind of our tribute our thoughts on chadwick bozeman um again to bring up dark light studios we said it on our twitter page on on that uh on that thread oh shit hold on well that's a nice prelude to our next topic <laughs> right right chaos breaking out in gotham city um (laughs) but yeah to bring it just to just to close out i think that you know on that on the dark light page we mentioned um just giving you know a lot of love to you know an actor who was a very powerful actor um and a beautiful hero you know i think that was a really good way of putting it so um much respect to chadwick um and much love and, and, and peace to his family all right um, let's move on to the other business at hand, which is the, mm. the teaser trailer, the trailer, which has been blowing up the internet for the last week <laughs> at, um, right. the DC fandom conference, uh, the Matt Reeves, the Batman, um, starring Robert Pattinson and, uh, Jeffrey Wright as commissioner mm-hmm. Gordon. So, Isaac is humming Nirvana's Something in the Way 
It's in my head, the, Arthur. I can't get it out now. Which was the last listed song on Nirvana's uh, 1991 uh, Nevermind. Initial thoughts. You humming the music, so I can Initial tell. I, I'm going to assume that you loved it. Or did you hate no, it? No, I didn't Or, or are it. you indifferent? <laughs> I didn't love it, and I didn't hate it. My first, thought, my first thoughts on the Batman trailer, trailer number one, um, which, funny story, my son tweeted or texted me a link to a tweet mm-hmm. probably two hours before the official release date of the release of the, the, the actual trailer. Okay. So I immediately hit that link, right? Mm-hmm. Watch the um, trailer, right? Then I went to, I, con- I text my son back and gave him my quick thoughts. Then I went back to it, copied it, sent it to you and Jahan. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I sent it to you and Jay, I clicked it again so I could rewatch it again. Video gone. In that span of probably two, no, three minutes, oh, DC right. lawyers, yep. Warner Brothers lawyers, excuse me, Warner Brothers lawyers had quickly pulled that joint off of Twitter, cease and desist, whatever. Um, and it was gone just that quick. So I did see, I, I was, you know, if you want to call it fortunate, if I was fortunate enough to see it two hours before, you know, a lot of other people in the world, but mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I did, and I, you know, so DC fandom, uh, I was watching DC fandom as I'm sure a lot of you guys were, um, last week. And I watched the trailer, you know, the official release of the trailer as, um, uh, what's the name? Uh, what's the director's name again? Uh, Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves, Matt Reeves was talking about mm-hmm. it. So my initial thoughts, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I was, I think I texted you immediately after I saw it the first time. And I said, interesting. I think that was yeah. like my one word reply yeah. or my one word review. Interesting. So I'll get into my thoughts after, you know, I've seen it now, probably, you know, I don't know, two dozen times, but so I'll give you my thoughts more of my thoughts afterwards but that was my initial feeling was interesting how what was your initial feeling um positive optimism you know i mean Mm. i had to consider that this film is nowhere near complete and they kind of had to do the best they could with what they had in order to be able to construct Mm -hmm. some some kind of you know narrative it actually reminded me 25 percent of it yeah, it actually reminded me of p- early Pixar films where Cars is one. Cars is a big one. Uh, I want to say Monsters, Inc. also. But there were trailers that Pixar would do of upcoming films that weren't anywhere near ready. But the trailers would effectively mm-hmm. be more like introductions have nothing to do, don't reveal any real plot point, or or, or, or if you think that there's a plot point, it, it, it's not, because the film is totally different. Um, hmm. And I kind of took, I took the Batman uh, teaser, you know, as that. Which could happen with this as well. That, Which could happen with this as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know? A lot of this stuff we saw may not end up in the film, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I had a lot of, I had a lot of questions at the end of it, at the end of the Batman trailer, because, I mean, for one, because we had seen um, teaser shots of Colin Farrell as Penguin, I had thought that the the at the beginning the individual who was duct taping 
the the corpse was penguin. I just figured that that's who that was, mm-hmm. but I couldn't align penguin doing that. It just didn't. It just didn't right, kind right. of that's feel not, right because we were <laughs> getting a whole lot of Riddler evidence. Right. I'm like, well, what the hell is going on? You know. Mm-hmm. So um, it was good to see Jeffrey Wright in character. Really good to see Jeffrey. How did Wright you feel about his character. haircut? Uh, not a fan. <laughs> it made me think that they were trying to make him look like the, they're trying to make him look like the black version of Gary Oldman's, um, Gordon in the culture and the Nolan films. I, w- I w- you know, I wasn't, uh, this is our first black Gordon. Happy to see that. But I'm like, I, you know, can he have a fade? Like, why does he have, why does he have the 19 late 1970s, early 1980s? cut yeah it, it reminded me of uh sam jackson samuel L. jackson <laughs> right. nick fury and captain marvel <laughs> right right which wasn't a good look right yeah, they just so, couldn't really get it right yeah yeah i'm excited for you know jeffrey wright obviously but yeah i feel like the wardrobe people or the stylists that wasn't that wasn't a good choice i'm sorry but go ahead that's okay yeah so um i like the reveal of the I like the reveal of the Batmobile. Mm. I did like that. Um, I liked the introduction of Batman with his boots. Mm. Like that. Oh, you like that? You like that shot? Okay. It'd be nice if that was a reveal of the film. I kind of don't think it will be. Mm-hmm. So cautiously optimistic. I, I guess I would that would be categorized as indifferent because I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked how at the end how the title of the film was built in, where that second A has the has the oh, yeah. you know, the bat ears as it all yeah. kind of graphically you know, it looked uh, really good. It looked really cool. Morphs yeah. into the Batman logo. Mm-hmm. So I, I think my for me because I know we both have watched this a few times and now we've watched you know a couple trailer breakdowns. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, my interest, like I said, I, was, I thought it was interesting at first. For me, though, that interest has gone up because of the layered storytelling that we're getting. You know, this is there's a lot of stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you heard if you watched DC fandom last week, you saw Matt Reeves talk a lot about this movie in the sense that you could tell he's been thinking about this for like years. You know, I think mm-hmm. I think he was announced as the directors and, and co-writer, I think maybe three years ago i think it was it could it may have been that long ago um and he's been working on this for a couple of years and then obviously there's been some delays um you know uh pandemic relays or delays with um production so on and so forth so he's but he's you know you could just tell that this is something that he's been seriously devoting himself to over the last couple of years and that's storytelling man there's so many layers there you know because mm-hmm. he talked about a dc fandom you know how this is going into the you know the corruption of Gotham and you know all these other things and how these play power brokers play a role in the Wayne family and how this all fig- so it's like they've they've asked him to do a trilogy you know this is the mm-hmm. first of a trilogy of films um, so you can see clearly that he is you know setting things up for this to be a deep dive 
that lasts for three films. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's what I got after watching the trailer several times and watching some of the breakdowns so I could actually see the freeze frames, get some context behind, you know, different things that were going on in the right. background, um, everything to, from the mayor um, to the possible inclusion of the Court of Owls to the possible inclusion of um, uh, so the long Halloween, you know, may play a role in this. So all of these things kind of layered into a, co- you know, a cohesiveness that mm-hmm. when we first heard, remember when we first heard how many villains were going to be involved from, you know, Riddler to Penguin to um, anti-hero slash villain Catwoman. Yeah. It felt like, oh, this is going to be too much. And Falcone, you know, my bosses, it's going to be too much. It's going to be too much going on. I think Matt Reeves may have a handle on this, you know, just mm-hmm. from this trailer and just from him mm-hmm. and hearing him mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. it. I kind of get the sense that he may have a handle on this and be able to present all of this storytelling, um, this layered storytelling in a cohesive way, which kind of it kind of excites me. It, it, it got me. I was interested at first. I think now I'm more in the excited zone. Like I'm, I'm kind of interested in seeing how this is going to really play out. And I, like you said, I have more optimism now. Yeah. Um, what did you think about like the, the, the kind of obvious influences that you see the, and he talked about this on fandom as well. He openly admitted that Matt Reeves openly admitted that he's, you know, this film for him was influenced by, you know, 70s cinema, like um, Taxi mm-hmm. Driver, French Connection, mm-hmm. um, Chinatown, he mentioned, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting mm-hmm. because we, we, we've been told that this movie is going to really center on Batman as, you know, the detective, you know, the great detective. Um, so Chinatown and also, you know, the corruption, not just the detective element, but then the corruption, the city corruption that's displayed in Chinatown. That was interesting to me. So he, he talks about, okay, these are all the influences. So what did you think about, you know, some of these influences and how they appear on screen? Well, I really like when the influences of um, the various Batman narratives um, are considered in film and not just focused on, you know, like the headlining, vi- the headlining villains. I do think that, and I, I had said this on, um, I think the second what if uh, Batman were a black man, where Batman is unique of all the superheroes in that he works so closely with police. Um, Commissioner Gordon, very specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he doesn't fly. He doesn't, you know, materialize, you know, he drives a car. If he's got to get somewhere, he's driving a car, you know, maybe mm-hmm. he's flying his plane, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's this, it's this, you know, it's this reality, this realism to how Batman has to conduct himself, even in these superhero like ways. Mm-hmm. Um, this Batman film specifically, I like that a film like Chinatown was considered because um, Gotham as a backdrop, as a, as a character itself, you know, the city needs to play, you know, a role and thinking about how Gotham, which is presumably an older city like mm-hmm. Chicago or New York, um, it is going to have these, these, these Gothic physical structures, these underground passages, these, mm-hmm. these, secret societies, speaking of the corridor owls now, you know, these secret societies that have run the city for generations. Um, right. Do you have, you let, know, me, I, let I me like stop it. you I right like there it. for just, let me, let me stop you here for just a second. Do you have any concerns that, um, like you mentioned the look 
specifically of Gotham City, not necessarily like you're talking about the societal infrastructure, mm-hmm. but the look of Gotham City. This movie is being shot in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And do you do you have any concerns that this may not look even though obviously they're CGI and a lot, you know, they're going to add skyscrapers and things like that. Yeah. Do you have any concerns that this this movie may look more British, more English than it looks um, American? Hmm. And the reason I ask is because at the core of it, you know, Gotham is an American city, you know, yeah. and there are there's certain things I think, you know, I get the gothicness of it. I, I definitely get that. But there is a feeling I, I got when I was watching this trailer. I was like, hmm. There were scenes, there was parts that felt very American. Like when he rides into the, um, the when Bruce Wayne is on the motorcycle and he comes into the Batcave and we see the Batcave for the first time and it really resembles mm-hmm. almost like a, a Union Station or Grand Central Station, like, you know, a lower level, you know, old abandoned transit area. You know, mm-hmm. it, it reminded me of that. And that felt very almost like um art deco you know chicago art deco new york it it felt very um american but there's other scenes like when they're riding around in the city and certain things are happening i felt wow this looks really english and not to be xenophobic Mm -hmm. at all i'm not Mm -hmm. and i actually i think maybe it's because i've spent time in 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 the uk um maybe i'm more sensitive to that i can you know i can spot the differences um, but I just wonder, as kind of a side note, is this film, is there a danger that this film may feel a little bit um, more European, you know, than American? What do you well, think? I, su- I suppose that there is a danger, but, you know, there's no way that this could have been filmed in Chicago. Mm. There's no way. Because Why do you feel every, it? Because you well, every think scene would be com- the- Well, at least for us, I mean, every scene would be compared to Nolan. a Nolan film. Right. Um, I think that... Batman, because of Wayne Manor, the you know, in the Bat Cave, and you know, the idea of the underworld, it does need, it does, it does lend itself to a visual, you know, gothic, older type architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess there is uh, a, a a worry, so much as because they had to do something with what they had and they didn't have much. Um, I'm going to reserve judgment on that. At least until yeah, we I'll, get an official yeah. trailer. Yeah, that's smart. I'll, I'll do the same. Spring. Yeah. And it should be noted that, that, that scene, you made me think about it. That scene in Batman begins when we see Wayne Manor, um, I think towards the, at the end of the film after it's been, even it's been burned down. And I think Bruce and Rachel are like on the, the um you know on the grounds of Wayne Manor mm-hmm. um and maybe in the beginning of the film too but anyway those scenes were filmed i believe somewhere in europe you know those mm. weren't those scenes mm-hmm. themselves you know Wayne the gothicness of Wayne Manor was was uh, was some european mm-hmm. castle or whatever so um but yeah i'm sorry i, I that's that was just like when you no, mentioned no but that's that, a that good point though i mean cuz you know we we know that we know that Gotham City is very important to batman and i i know just i don't know if we've ever said it on the show but the Dark Knight Rises haven't having been filmed in was in Philadelphia or was it in Pittsburgh? It was in primarily in Pittsburgh, yeah. some in Jersey and some in New York. Okay. City. But basically the fact that it was not filmed in Chicago, you know, kind of put a you know, just like just didn't look right. It didn't look like Yeah, it I mean this yeah, yeah. They established a very Gotham, it didn't strong, look like it fit. Yeah. Yeah. The Batman begins and particularly the Dark Knight. Established a very strong 
um, connect to Chicago and a very strong on the screen. It made a very um, indelible kind of like, you know, um, Gotham City iconography and just Gotham City look that mm-hmm. you got used to. And so, yeah, by the time you get to this third film, even for maybe even for some casual moviegoers who don't pay attention to this type of stuff, they maybe even have kind of on a visceral level, they may have disconnected a little bit. So this doesn't feel like the same Gotham that we got, you know, the, the previous two movies. Um, cause yeah, that, and even to your point, the underground, yeah. Cause they were filming a lot of dark night took place on, you know, on the, uh, uh lower Wacker drive in mm-hmm. Chicago, the, the, one of the great chase scenes, um, car chase scenes. So yeah, there, there is that. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in this new film. Um, but I'm like you, I'm going to reserve judgment. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward particularly to the influences of, you know, French connection or Chinatown. Mm -hmm. Um, or even some of the David Fincher films, you know, you kind of get that, you know, you get a seven feeling, um, from, from a little bit of this trailer. So that's going to be, that's something to look forward to as well. You know, let me ask you something. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I liked how Batman was beating the, beating the crap out of old boy. Um, (laughs) given that Batman is on the the side of the the sadomasochist and Arthur. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Given that Batman is, on the face of it, on the side of police, even though it mm-hmm. appears that the police department find him suspect, and you kind of get this idea that Gordon, well, I don't know if he's commissioner then, but Commissioner Gordon is shielding him. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's with me, so you can't touch him. Don't touch him. Um, right. Do you think that with with all the with all of the in real life with all the documentation of police brutality and you know what we've seen of violent behavior toward black and brown uh men and women do you think that it's dulled our interest like we don't really want to see batman be this this visceral violent character or that it'll have kind of Mm -hmm. a backlash with moviegoers yeah so okay so yeah just take a step back i think that we didn't i don't know we mentioned it and maybe some of you guys don't know but so this trailer this movie takes place during year two of batman's existence so basically you could argue that nolan's the dark knight was also like a year two thing i I got that feeling as well maybe year two year three um but this movie firmly is built on the principle that batman has only been in existence for like a year and shit ain't going the way he thought it was going to go basically mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. his yeah his his allegiance to gordon doesn't mean that the rest of these cops are on his side in fact in the trailer you see cops shooting at him at one point as he's he's coming up that staircase um right with his uh grappling hood or hook or whatever mm-hmm. yeah there's cops shooting at him so that should be noted and yeah you get the sense that gordon is like involving him in this case early on in the the trailer because it's just so it, you know, obviously his name has been left on this card. Batman's name has been left on this card. And so they brought him in to say, OK, evidently this dude has something to do with you. So you need to tell us what's going on. But the cops do have, you know, they're staring at him. They're looking at him with a sense of, you know, like they may pull out and they may draw down on him right there. Um, do I think that this, you know, what's going on in the real world and this a lot of this, you know, very widely documented police brutality that we've seen mm-hmm. um you know that we've all known about that we've seen for years in our communities but this summer in particular has been on you know front street so to speak 
do I think that's going to have an effect? Yes, I think it may have an effect because keep in mind, it's not, we haven't just seen police brutality towards black and brown folks, which is what we're used to seeing and what we know has been going on. Um, for many um, non-BIPOC people, this is their first, like, they're just like waking up, you know, and they're, they're, you know, in a state of shock because the police are their friends and now mm-hmm. they've gone out and protested. Now the police are, are beating on them as well. And so they're, they're in a state of shock right now. So I think that there may be the chance that possibly, you know, there may be some people who just do not, or who aren't going to be into scenes like we saw in the trailer mm-hmm. where basically Batman, he, he looked unhinged in that, that, that scene. Yes, in the he trailer. did. <laughs> um, the, the guy comes at him with a machete. We don't know. Maybe dude with the machete machete just took some innocent person's head off or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But he comes at Batman with a machete. Batman blocks it, hits the guy a couple times. It could have ended right there. You know what I'm saying? He dude was out. He you know, mm-hmm. once he broke dude's arm, that was it. You know, mm-hmm. and but he proceeds to <clears throat> break dude's jaw. Then when dude goes down, um, he hits him a couple times and if you hear turning your volume up, man, you can hear this dude's basically, it almost sounds like a skull cracks. Mm-hmm. And at that point when I'm watching it, I was like, I'm not enjoying this, mm-hmm. you know, because this just looks like severe brutality. This just looks like white man unhinged. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's mm-hmm. what it felt like when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. And I got to think, um, I got to wonder if to your point, Am I going to be, is it, again, this is out of context. We don't know what this dude with the machete just did. Maybe he did something so, mm-hmm. you know, horrendous that we were glad to see him get effed up, you know, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not knowing what he did, you know, it kind of, it kind of threw me off. And then they, they throw the camera back to the crowd of, you know, the gang or whoever was standing behind this guy. Mm-hmm. And one of them cats had tears in his eyes. He was yeah. watching the Batman beat the hell out of the dude had tears in his eyes. He also looked like he was and, black. <laughs> He looked like he was black. The one yeah. black guy, I, I don't know if he's the one, but he was one of the, you know, the brothers in the crowd had tears in his eyes watching this mm-hmm. white man beat the hell out of this other dude. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, you know, with Matt Reeves and Warner Brothers moving forward with this Gotham City um, PD television show that we talked about um, a couple episodes ago, a couple episodes ago on this show, they're moving forward with that on HBO, I think in 2021 or 2022 is there a level of insensitivity that they are not understanding that shit has changed, you know, irrecoverably, you know, shit has changed and people may not be into this sort of, um, white justice being handed out, you know, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. I wonder about that. You know, now I will say this, Arthur, I will say this, just, just a quick, quick side. note. I will say this. I was happy to see, (laughs) hand-to-hand fight choreography being handled very correctly in the Batman film because if I have one you know kind of pushback against the Nolan films I don't think he ever handled he, he he's not a hand-to-hand combat director and Batman in those films outside of the stuff we saw in Batman Begins when he was training with the League of Shadows mm-hmm. the hand-to-hand stuff just never especially in the Dark Knight it never really made me feel like Batman is you know the baddest cat on the planet you know Mm-hmm. Um, so I give I do, I will say that for this Matt Reeves it did you know that scene showed me okay 
he, this dude is really going to look like he knows how to fight, which is important for Batman. He doesn't have superpowers. Yeah. So you have to present him as one of the baddest cats on the planet when it comes to hand-to-hand combat. So I was happy to see that. But I stand by everything else I just said. What were you about to say? Yeah, so, um, I mean, again, you know, they did what they could with what they, with, with what they got. But it does appear that Pattinson's Bruce Wayne is really dealing with some inner demons. Um, and, you know, we know just about the Bruce Wayne character that he was very attached to his father in particular, his parents. He loved his parents, but he's very particularly attached to his father. And by being Batman, by being able to wear, you know, a, a body armor and a mask, you know, he could assume an alter ego and feed into those inner demons. And just going back to the the soundtrack of the trailer, Nirvana's Something in the Way, um, you know, Kurt Cobain, who committed suicide, um, I want to say in 1993, maybe 94, that he committed suicide at age 27, was uh, seen as a tragic figure, a tormented figure who had very, had a very hard time dealing with fame and his band going from, you know, near obscurity and, uh, um, you know, um, just going from being a small band to superstars Mm -hmm. overnight. Um, it, it, it provided a really good musical parallel to what we were seeing visually with Batman. So saying all of that to say, it's interesting to me. And I wonder if, if, you know, I wonder if this is going to be a subtext of the relationship between Jeffrey Wright's Gordon and Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne Batman, but how Gordon manages basically a rich white man that can snap off at any time <laughs> you know it's like mm-hmm. how does he because mm-hmm. he's because because you see that gordon is 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 sheltering batman keeping the cops off of him with all of the power mm-hmm. that he possibly that commissioner gordon that gordon can possibly muster you know to 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 again to shield this man how does he manage that mm-hmm. you know how does he manage yeah, that I, i'm glad you brought the the I'm glad you brought the Nirvana song up because I was going to ask you about that because I know you know a lot more about um, Kurt Cobain and the, that uh, Nirvana than I do. So is it possible? Because even Matt Reeves talked about the Jungian influences, Carl Jung. He brought, mm-hmm. he, you know, he, he's, he brought up this dichotomy that Bruce Wayne is going to be going through and just all this psychological stuff. So that song and, you know, the difficulties that that song represents that Kurt Cobain was espousing in that song um, if you look at that compared to, okay, this is year two of Bruce Wayne's, you know, um, journey as the Batman, mm-hmm. are we getting those same parallels? You know, the difficulties that, you know, of dealing with, you know, things not going the way he wanted them to go. And, you know, there's something in the way, you know, to quote the song, blah, 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 blah. All of those things combined with, you know, the very kind of very concrete black and whiteness of it, not no pun intended, but black and whiteness of, of it, the way that Gordon may be perceiving it, like, you know, look, you're, you know, you're beating the hell out of people. You're doing this. All these cops are uneasy with you. The uh-huh. public is uneasy with you. You know, saying you've got to work with me, you know, again, to your point, mm-hmm. how is he going to manage all that? Mm-hmm. There's I mean, again, there's just a lot of layers to the story that can be either 
very interesting if they're handled correctly or could kind of, again, make it feel as if Reeves and, you know, the people he's in and the studio and everyone else is kind of like kind of being tone deaf about what's going on in the world right now. Um, When I was, you know, when I was a kid, man, it's again, we know that police brutality and um, police is almost like a terrorist um, organization or Mm -hmm. occupying force, you know, within uh, black communities that goes back decades. We, We known that. So when I was a kid, though, and reading, you know, Batman stories or watching these type of films or whatever, there was a separation. Like I knew that that was fantasy. You know, I never looked at Gordon or the Gotham PD or whoever as the same way I viewed real world police. You know, Mm -hmm. I just knew that Mm -hmm. the two things were different. Now I feel that things have gotten so, um, again, put on Front Street via YouTube or Twitter or whatever else for so many people that the separation between these two things is like, no, we're not drawing a line anymore. We're demanding that the, you know, the fantastical um, representation, the quote unquote propaganda yeah. has to reflect the real world police. And mm-hmm. so when I saw, you know, when I saw Bruce Wayne beating the hell out of this dude again, that kind of threw me and I was like, ah, uh, I don't know if I want to see that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Him being a great detective, him going after Gotham's elite, him going after Gotham's power brokers, him even going after, you know, the Riddler or serial killer or the Joker, yeah. or, you know, the penguin or whatever. I'm with that. But, you know, if this dude with the machete, you know, is just some random, you know, uh, random guy with I, a machete. I, I hate to use the term. <laughs> <laughs> random, yeah, random dude with a machete. You know, because you run into those dudes every once in a while. You know, he don't mean no harm. Right. He's just a random dude with a machete. You know. Right. Um, if he's just a, if he's just a you know a, a, a member of a gang, you know, mm-hmm. just some random dude um, who just wanted to you know basically step up and show his cat. You know, kind of like showing off that he could take on the, this 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 Batman figure who's a mythological figure at this point. They don't know, mm-hmm. you know, if this guy can really handle himself or not. If he's just some random cat and he beat him like and Batman's up beating him like he did in that trailer, that's not something I'm interested in seeing. That's not something I'm with. You know, so let me ask you this. Because of the tone, do you think there's a I mean an obvious influence from Todd Phillips's Joker? film with Joaquin Phoenix Mm. in other words Mm. in the Joker there's this loose connection that's made between an adult rising Joker and a young pre well we don't even know if it's pre Wayne death do we yeah actually I mean I take Um, it that far yeah 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 because you know where this loose connection yeah 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 so so in other words, this Batman loosely takes place within the world of the Joker that's just getting it that you know that's getting established. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. I do think that Joker, which came out was that last year, um, it made you know a ridiculous amount of money. Um, I think got Oscar nomination. So mm-hmm. I do feel that within Warner Brothers, they were definitely like, hey, how can we bring some of this into whatever we do next with the Batman? Um, Matt Reeves may have already been heading that direction. I don't know. But I do think that that was probably a consideration of theirs. And I can see some of that within, you know, this trailer that, mm-hmm. you know, I hate to use this term because, you know, as we've talked about it before, 
um, using darkness as a negative. I think I, I've, I have issues with that, but for lack of a better term, the darkness of Joker, um, the, you know, more adult and mature, mature themes of Joker, um, which, you know, I am in our review, I, I mentioned before that I didn't think they were carried out as perfectly as everyone else seemed to think they mm-hmm. were carried out within Joker, mm-hmm. but they were present and or they were, there was an attempt to speak to those things. And I do feel like that's definitely going to play a role in this Matt Reeves Batman film. Mm-hmm. My question though, or my feeling though, is that this movie comes out, this Batman film drops in October of 2021 mm-hmm. and summer notwithstanding, who knows if summer 2021 may be the big, you know, go back to the theater movement where everybody feels comfortable going back to theater. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I do feel like there's a, there's definitely a great chance that October of 2021 could be the jump off you know this movie could be the biggest film of 2021 you know mm-hmm. is, there's a chance mm-hmm. for that to happen and so i gotta wonder man if, you know if we are fortunate enough to be out of this pandemic by then if we're post pandemic by then are people going to be in the mood to see something based on this trailer that is extremely you know quote unquote dark extremely you know dreary almost you know it did feel like one of those old gothic british movies where it was like it rains all the time there's no mm-hmm. sun um it's like even when there's sun it's still dark you know what i'm saying it's like it's just <laughs> it's like that type mm-hmm. of feel to it and then when you hear that nirvana track and then you see you know the violence that's going on you know uh the riddler basically does not look anything like the riddler that you that you've seen previously um, outside of the color green, that's all the commonalities between these two iterations um, or these multiple iterations in this one. So and then, you know, again, the violence that we see at the end of the the, uh, the trailer, are people going to be in the mood for that? Or are people going yeah. to be kind of like, you know, I want something a little bit more light and fluffy right now. I want more MCU. I don't want this shit. You know, it's like, what? Mm-hmm. how do you think? What do you, what do you think people are going to be in the mood for, you know, come October 2021? Well, I think it's going to depend on the on the uh, geography. I think U.S. audiences who um, <laughs> who have certain opinions about whether or not to wear a mask to begin with in public um, may not mind. Mm-hmm. Um, Asian audiences, uh, European audiences may have a different viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, Good point. This definitely looks like it's on its way to an R rating, which yes, would follow suit to Phillips's Joker. Yeah, um, that's a whole other show we got to do because I don't, I I feel I'm with you. I do feel like it feels that way. Yeah, but man, will they ever ever do a Batman or Superman or Wonder Woman movie that's rated R? Ever? You know, that's a, a Bond movie even that's rated R. That's that's another question. But I I feel you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think it's. Um, I think it's a little too soon to tell. I think that filmmakers are still banking, at least hedging their bet on how is the world going to look in three months. And then three months later, okay, how is the world going to look in six weeks? You know, Mm -hmm. depending on um, if if a treatment or... Uh, even vaccine is approved and released to the populace, how that goes is uh, the pandemic um, minimizing um, is acceptance of, you know, 
living, breathing, working, going back to school. Like if certain things happen, almost like dominoes, mm -hmm. then that can determine the outlook of a picture that's designed to be released in mid-fall. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But, do you, uh, you but do, do you think, though, that people, if all those things happen, do you think people will, the, what, what will be their mood? You know what I'm saying? Well, people, mass audiences, will they feel like, okay, we're out of this thing, so we're ready to see a film that, because this film looks very, I don't want to say, um, just, you know, like a, like a um, post-apocalyptic film. It doesn't feel like that. Mm -hmm. It's close to it, though. <laughs> it yeah, feels close yeah. to it, though. And I wonder if, you know, um, if people are just going to need something that feels a little bit more uplifting. Because the one thing that Matt Reeves kept coming back to is he kept talking about, we're going to explore the corruption, the corruption, the corruption at Gotham City. He kept saying mm -hmm. that word. Mm -hmm. And when people talk about that, usually in films like that, when they explore the, you know, the quote unquote natural corruption of human beings, like they, yeah. that's how they like to view it. Those movies don't have good endings. Those movies usually have ambiguous endings at best, mm -hmm. you know, endings where you don't really know if the hero, you know, got what they wanted. But if you look at say like a, a seven, um, mm -hmm. or some of the, you know, some of the films that are more, you know, some of the Michael Mann films, even that are more, you know, based in realism, um, you get, you know, these kind of ambiguous endings where it's like the hero, the villain didn't necessarily win, but the hero didn't win, it went either. It's kind of like, you know, corruption just goes on and on and on and you can't stop it. It's this juggernaut that never ends. Chinatown ended like that. You know, Chinatown is one of the best examples of a film that proved the point almost that you can't do anything. You know, it's, it's Chinatown, Jake, forget about it, you know? Mm. So I, I think I wonder if, um, this film, our, our audience is going to be in the mood for that type of movie. Are they going to want something that ends with, hey, that's not so dreary the whole way out and give some optimism or some hope? That's, I guess, that's the question I have. And I know you can't answer it, but I'm just right. wondering what well, you think. Well, I don't think, you know that. what? I don't think Batman is going to scratch that itch. You know, I mm. think that'll be left to take your pick of the other movies that have been put on hold. Maybe that's Ghostbusters. You know what mm. I'm saying? Maybe that's right. Wonder Woman. Maybe that's another film, but not this one. You know, Fast this and Furious, <laughs> right? You know, um, right. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised if if Matt Reeves was still reading the room, mm. and and not that not that the script or the story would change, but maybe their approach to a scene would change. Maybe mm -hmm. maybe we don't. You know, maybe we don't do day for night. Maybe we do daytime for this sequence mm -hmm. maybe maybe we, that scene gets cut maybe that scene with him beating the shit out of dude gets cut yeah right because it didn't test well or or you know twitter or we're having like we're having this show about mm -hmm. it talking about yeah it. he's like yo them them two brothers on mad unreal was talking about this scene uh where the dude gets his head cracked open so we're going to cut that yeah right could happen could, could happen. happen could happen could happen could happen <laughs> Probably not. So, okay, so before, uh, just to wrap this up, um, you said at the beginning that your feelings on the, after watching this trailer, you, we, you were hopefully optimistic. I think those were your words. Yeah, um, I am. So, I mean, so interesting though, there wasn't a whole lot. I'm sorry, go ahead, finish. No, I was going to say, after watching it multiple times, are you still there? You, you've evolved or you, that's where you at? No, I mean, that's where, I'm still, that's where I still am at. Because mm -hmm. another thing I was going to bring up, but that you don't hear that much dialogue from Pattinson. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you don't hear much yeah. dialogue at all. Let me say that. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't even see of, Alfred. 
No, you don't see Alfred. You just hear Andy Serkis. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just kind of like we don't really know we don't really know what this is about, but it's done the job to pike my interest, you know, and it's done the job to say, okay, this could be a worthy presentation of Batman. It's not Joel Schumacher. It's not even um um Nolan. Oh, uh, Tim Burton. It's not even Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. You know, this is... <laughs> right. It's definitely not Adam West. Yes, go on. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We're trying to... It's not to, Zack Snyder. <laughs> trying to, yeah, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to get our own thing here. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and that that is exciting. That is seeing... I'm glad you said that. Just to, That is exciting to see that he may be successfully creating a world, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. world building is always exciting. And if he can successfully create a world that, you know, distinguishes this from the other films that we've seen, because that's what that's what Nolan did. You know, he I mean, by, you know, creating a, a very practical Bruce Wayne, you know, the, the tumbler, the way he built his weapons, everything, the cape, all those things that he did were very practical and put you in a the context of a, a very real, real world Batman. Um I think that went a long way for those films. So yeah, and he stepped away from it. I think so to a great degree in the third film, which was to that film's detriment. But yeah, I think that to your point, if if Matt Reeves can create his own world, then that that'll go a long way for us. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Oh, and just side note, I don't yet see, you know, a man dressed up as a clown in this in this environment. <laughs> I can, I can see, I actually could see, he wouldn't be dressed as a clown, but I could definitely see a Joker iteration in this. The question is, are they going to do it? The Joker has been all over Batman for the last 10, 15 years. It's like Joker, Joker, Joker. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like they're not, if they do introduce him, I think it may be in the third film. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think this film takes place in the Joaquin Phoenix universe. I don't think it takes place in that Joker's universe. So we'll see. It was interesting to see Catwoman. Um, I mm. think Zoe Kravitz is going to do a really good yeah, job in that role. Yeah, we didn't say much about her, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, I was very interested in seeing her. It looks like very much Long Halloween, that scene that we saw with her and Batman. Um, so, yeah, I think I've gone from, you know, interested to, you know, excited and, in, you know, intrigued, intrigued more than excited, but a little bit of excitement there, too. So we'll see. All right. More on that in episodes to come. All right. And that is a wrap uh mad unreal we encourage you to follow up with us on twitter hashtag mad unreal both isaac and myself will be able to uh see your question your comment um we want to know what you think about this teaser trailer for matt reeves batman um the black commissioner gordon um did they get the hair right is that acceptable should it have been a jerry (laughs) curl we want to know what you think (laughs) At least uh, a fade. Can a brother get a fade? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, I'm like, what the, what? 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 <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Jeffrey, if you're listening, man, we love you. And it's no no reflection on you. We just talking about the stylists. So. Exactly. Hit time Subscribe out of to the show. in the West Loop in Chicago. <laughs> right. He'll take care of you. Um, <laughs> take care subscribe to the subscribe to the podcast please apple podcasts uh where you can leave a review and a comment that really does help for show discovery uh, we can be found on spotify we can be found uh anywhere that fine rss feeds are consumed see you next show peace oh keep it unreal <laughs> <laughs>